the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Patriot is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul. FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Britain's PM Boris Johnson goes back to work tomorrow after a bout of coronavirus. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab, who has been standing in for the Prime Minister, said that Johnson has made a full recovery two weeks after his release from hospital. As you can imagine, uh, with the Prime Minister, he's raring to go. Britain has recorded more than 20,000 deaths among people hospitalised with COVID-19, the fifth country in the world to reach that total. Thousands more are thought to have died in nursing homes. Opposition politicians say Britain's coronavirus death toll could have been lower if Johnson had imposed a nationwide lockdown sooner and also criticised his government over shortages of protective equipment for medical workers and a lack of testing for the virus. With hundreds of new deaths announced each day, some health experts say Britain could eventually have the highest virus death toll in Europe. Karen Chamas, London. This is SRN News. Dan Proft believes reopening the country will take a huge team effort. It's broad guidelines combined with best practices and governors and uh, local officials are going to have to make their own calls. That's the only way it's going to work. Ultimately, it's going to have to be a collaborative process. It's not going to be top down waiting to be told what to do. It's got to be best practices, a framework and then common sense. The Dan Proft Show, weeknights at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. No Safe Spaces is available for streaming on demand, but only for a limited time and only through us here at Salem Media. So go to am1280thepatriot.com or watch salemmedia.com to stream No Safe Spaces today. This past 1 o'clock on this Sunday afternoon, let's take a look at the Twin Cities forecast from the Great Plains Windows and Doors Weather Center. A chance of thunderstorms today. We reach a high of 67. And we got Hour 1, Brad Carlson Show of the Northern Alliance Radio Network starting right now here on The Patriot. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to weigh in via Twitter, feel free to do so. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. A lot to get to. 
on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Always uh, grateful that you can join us. And yesterday, was it was yesterday not the most perfect weather day of the year 2020 thus far? I mean, I know we're almost four full months in, but yesterday was perfect. 70 degrees, sunny, not very humid. I don't do well in humidity. And me, you know, for those of you who listen to this program, you know that my side hustle to this side hustle is I'm the MC of the Miss Minnesota pageant. And if you've ever watched the uh, Sandra Bullock movie, Miss Congeniality, where she plays like an FBI agent who goes undercover to infiltrate a, a beauty pageant, uh, one of the contestants was asked by the MC, I think it was Miss Rhode Island, was asked by the MC, played by William Shatner, you know, what is your, what is your, what do you consider a, your perfect date? And she thought about it and says, I'd have to say April 25th, because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> and yesterday was April 25th. And of course, because a lot of, because uh, I have a good number of friends on Facebook who have been involved with Miss Minnesota and have been Miss Minnesota pageant contestants, because I've gotten to know them over five years, I've been the MC. Uh, you can imagine that meme was pretty much plastered all over my timeline, my news feed yesterday via social media, Instagram, all, all, all sorts of things. So April 25th was yesterday was that came true. That was the perfect day, the perfect date, as it were. So got a lot done, got, uh, got out in the uh, got out in the garden, got the uh, uh, deck furniture out finally. Uh, and uh, it, we're, we're good to go. We're, we're, we're geared up. So another nice day out today. And I'm gonna apologize, folks. I'm, I'm from my home office today. And some neighbors are doing some yard work and some pounding on boards and whatnot. So if you're wondering what all that is, yeah, the jig is up. I'm I'm, I'm broadcasting from my home studio. Jason, I think we've given that that gig up that jig up about now, haven't we? I mean, that we're we're no longer trying to pretend that I'm there anymore. Well, if they uh, haven't caught on, on by now, if they haven't caught on by now, then I mean, I don't think they're paying too much attention to the program. Right, right. So, uh, but hey, we we're doing what we can. We're maintaining the. Uh, the proper protocol, social distancing. It, uh, you know, I, I've, I've always maintained I prefer to be in studio because it's just, you know, got the real radio station feel, and I just love that. But I certainly understand, and uh, we are here at home, the home studio, and, uh, yep, just plowing ahead. A lot to get to this week, as there is every week. Uh, in the midst of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that this segment, and then at one fifteen, political walk, Matt Makoviak. Uh, I want to ask him about a uh, political article that came out yesterday about the response uh, in his home state of Texas. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott taking a more methodical approach to reopening the Texas economy, which, of course, is always touted as the booming economy, the uh, the state economy all other states should aspire to. Well, Governor Abbott taking a more methodical approach, and that has rankled a lot of rib-rock conservative Republicans in the state. So... We'll see what impact, if any, that has on uh, this upcoming election year. Because obviously, I'll, I'll just say this. If Texas ever becomes a swing state in presidential elections, uh, it's going to be virtually impossible for a Republican to, to be elected president in the future if Texas becomes a swing state and then, come, say, becomes reliably blue. And I know that's something that uh, a lot of uh, Democrats have been focused on in the state of Texas. Well, this particular response by Governor Abbott, who's not up for re-election, but nevertheless, it could alienate some conservatives. Some people say we'll get Matt's perspective on that. That's for sure. Again, he'll be on at one fifteen. But I do want to shift my focus to New York, which has kind of been the epicenter of this coronavirus pandemic in the in the United States. Of the, I think we're 
in excess of 50,000 uh, deaths in the United States, which, um, you know, people say it's the most uh, official deaths, coronavirus, because we surpassed Italy a week or two ago, whenever it was. But a couple of things with that. Number one, China's not being forthright with their with their death count. They're just not. Let's let's just be honest. They aren't. And secondly, uh, if you're talking about in terms of population, in terms of per 100,000 people, I think the U.S. ranks ninth or tenth of the. Or, uh, I think ninth out of out of ten large sample sizes they've taken of, of significant countries like. Uh, uh, like Italy, you know, like China, uh, I think Germany was in, featured in that sample as well. So when you're talking about per one hundred thousand deaths per capita, it's not as high. Still devastating number, no question about it, no doubt about it. And it ha- we have to stem the tide of this sooner rather than later. But to say that we've become a, a, a like a third world country with this carnage is is just not accurate. Uh, now, gross domestic product. Taking a forty percent dip, uh, yeah, that's that's third world type of statistics, and uh, it, people are hurting, no doubt about it. But again, we'll talk all about that as the program progresses. But I do want to again focus on New York. Of all of the of the deaths that have occurred because of coronavirus in the U.S., probably close to a third have been in New York, and it makes sense when you consider they have a city like New York City, which. I think it's a staggering number, close to half take the subway to and fro um, just to get around or, or in that greater region. Uh, it's So it's conducive to you know catching illnesses, being in that kind of close contact. And I don't know how they alleviate that going forward. But Governor Cuomo, as he has pretty much on a daily basis, hosted a press conference, kind of given a, a COVID-19 update. And one of the things he was talking about was, uh, or he, you know, he was just uh, just giving a general update on everything COVID nineteen. And there was a reporter, and God bless her for this, by the way. She pressed him on uh, on these protesters. Apparently, there were protesters outside this uh, particular press briefing. And she had gone out and talked to these protesters, apparently, and came back to uh, into Governor Cuomo and, and asked him, saying, you know, hey, these people out there, they're, they're hurting economically. You know, they're, they're not getting their unemployment checks on time. The, uh, the system has been bogged down, whether it be at the state level or federal level. They're not sure when they're going to get their, uh, uh, their stamps money. You know, what's going on here? And, uh, well, I'll... Uh, this was from yeah CBS, the CBS affiliate in New York, uh, Anne McCloy. She said there are reg- these are regular people who are not getting a paycheck, and they're saying that they don't have time to wait for all of this testing, and they need to get back to work in order to feed their families. Their savings is running out. They don't have another week. They're not getting answers. So their point is the cure can't be worse than the illness itself. What is your response to him? And Governor Cuomo was just dismissed. Well, the illness is death. What is worse than death? And what he's not considering here is there is likely an uptick in suicides from those who are already struggling with mental health issues and already have suicidal thoughts and then seeing basically an economic depression and no hope going forward. You have to believe suicides have increased. 
have they increased to the point where they're in excess of the deaths from COVID-19? I don't believe so. But how do you quantify it? And then there's also stories of those who aren't able to get basic medical services, whether it be mammograms or regular checkups. And those who have been stricken with cancer know more than anybody that if there is something, if there's an irregularity, i.e. something that could be detected in a mammogram, but those services may be delayed because they're kind of keeping everything open for for COVID-19 patients, then what's to say that all of a sudden cancer that could have easily been prevented and treated once it was discovered doesn't get discovered in a timely fashion, and therefore someone ends up dying because it wasn't discovered in a timely fashion because they weren't able to get the basic services. You know, but the governor doesn't even consider that. Now, I understand to a certain extent he sees every day on the ground what's happening, and he's obviously very affected by it. I mean, some of the some of the uh, photo uh, the video footage from these hospital rooms it's 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 devastating. So and and good on Ann McCloy kept pressing him on this. Says and she basically tells him and Jason, if you have that audio clip ready, uh, he's coming out and you know she's saying, look, they can't wait for the money; they're out of money. And the governor says, well, well we're we're, ta- we're talking about a couple days of lag. And then they'll get, then you know, we'll get the date of unemployment. Well, you know, time is money, you know, as the old saying goes. So, uh, Jason, we got that clip ready. Here we go. She then asks, uh, so you're saying that is there a fundamental right to work if the government cannot give me the money when I need it? Here's Governor Cuomo's response. Will be paid but unemployment they, but they can't from wait the day. For the mo- they, they can't wait for the money. They're out of money. Yeah, we're talking about a couple of days lag on the unemployment insurance and they will get the check from the date of unemployment does not cost them an extra penny now they can say unemployment insurance isn't enough i get it uh even with the 600 dollars check and the 1200 dollars check and the unemployment insurance benefit is not enough i understand the economic hardship we all feel it the question is what do you do about it and do you put public health at risk And do you drive up the number of deaths for it? Because you have no idea how to reopen now. So they're saying that, is there a fundamental right to work if the government can't get me the money when I need it? Is there a fundamental right to work? You want to go to work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. So there it is. That's simple. Yeah, just get a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. Well, what is an essential worker anymore? I mean, people seem to have different criteria of what that entails. I mean, that is just totally dismissive. And someone responded, one of the protesters responded to that. It's like, well, that's great, but where are we supposed to get a job when the entire state is shut down? And by the way, not everybody has the bloodline of a Cuomo where you can just get a, a cushy government job your entire life and, and ride the coattails of that famous name. Of course, Andrew Cuomo, the son of Mario Cuomo, who was a three-term governor back in the, from, I think, 1983 to 1994 time frame, and of course, uh, had served in politics in New York State in some capacity since the late 60s, right? So it's just that easy, huh? Just go go out and get a job as an essential worker. By the way, a friend of mine tweeted this out earlier. You know, she lives right in Brooklyn, her and her family, and, uh, you know, he was complaining about about all this tax revenue that goes out of, out of New York. 
you know, because obviously the upper crust live in New York and therefore they're, they're taxed to the hilt. And it's, uh, I forget what the time frame was, but billions of billions going out of New York, whereas the state of Kentucky has been the beneficiary of billions of dollars from the federal government in various aid programs, what have you. And Governor Cuomo was basically calling out Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, saying, hey, Mitch, uh, why don't you give us some money back? We're kind of paying the freight. We're kind of uh, supporting you all. So uh, there you have it, folks. As a friend of mine said, uh, Governor Cuomo is getting ready to don a uh, taxationist theft T-shirt. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how leftists are discovering the concept of federalism and fiscal restraint uh, when there's a pandemic. Uh, what a time to be alive. Uh, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. When we come back, our political walk, Matt Bakoviak, will be joining us on the broadcast talking COVID, presidential politics. We'll also talk about some U.S. Senate elections as well right here on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Meeting you with a view to... Whoa. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Fierce Nachiwadi with Principal Office in Dallas, Texas is responsible for the content in this ad. Attention women, if you or a loved one used talcum powder for at least four years and were then diagnosed with advanced stages of ovarian cancer or metastatic ovarian cancer before the age of 75, listen closely. You may be entitled to substantial compensation. Call 800-991-4422. Time is limited to file a claim and we'll have to pull your medical records. You must have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer within the last 10 years. You need an attorney on your side fighting for your rights. Call 800-991-4422. One of the leading manufacturers of talcum powder has been ordered to pay millions of dollars in claims to the families of women who died of ovarian cancer. If you or a loved one used talcum powder for at least four years and were diagnosed with advanced stages of ovarian cancer or metastatic ovarian cancer that moved to other organs within the last 10 years, don't wait. Call 800-991-4422. That number again, 800-991-4422. Call 800-991-4422. Call right now. Your potential customers are at home right now. Are you there with them? In these uncertain times, the investment you made in digital marketing is really paying off. Thanks to Salem Surround, you're on page one of the search engines. Your online reputation is five-star. Your digital presence is accurate, and you're everywhere. Oh, wait, you're not? You don't have an effective digital marketing strategy? It's not too late. Contact Salem Surround for help. We deliver prescriptive marketing solutions to communicate with your current and future customers that not only meet your needs, but exceed your expectations. Salem Surround can help you with digital marketing during these difficult times and beyond. Total market saturation with increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to learn how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundmsp.com surroundmsp.com connecting you with new customers how do you define strength is it physical or is it mental maybe it's both maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper fight harder and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association.
Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store. Welcome back. Hey, I'm Tom the Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Always honored, of course, to be joined by our political wonk, Matt Koviak. He, the uh, founder of Potomac Strategy Group, and also the uh, proprietor of the uh, fine podcast, Mac on Politics. Just uh, do a Google search for Mac on Politics podcast. It's M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics podcast. I typically listen to it. Uh, I've got the podcast addict on my phone, so that's typically how I access it to it. But you could also listen to it, whether via iTunes or Stitcher or any of those uh, fine sites and definitely check it out. And uh, as always, we're going to uh, talk uh, probably presidential politics, but also uh, what's going on uh, down in Matt's home state of Texas uh, with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, Matt Makoviak, always an honor to have you in the program, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Brad. How about you? Doing very well. Thanks so much. Uh, I guess, like I said, we want to have you on to talk presidential politics. and We'll get to that in due time, but I do want to... Uh, ask you about, I don't know if you had the opportunity to read this, but you're on the ground in Texas, so I imagine you're aware of everything that's going on down there about uh, how Governor Greg Abbott uh, is plotting the state's economy into uh, 2021, and many of his fellow Republicans uh, are seizing on a relatively low COVID-19 death toll to push for lifting his stay-home order. So if I'm understanding this right, Matt Makoviak, uh, the governor is taking a more methodical approach to where some of the more uh, rib-rock conservatives are wanting a more expedited opening is that is that what's going on in the ground down there in texas matt i think to a certain extent yes i mean he's supposed to be making a pretty sweeping announcement uh, tomorrow on monday about okay. you know exactly what's going to reopen and when and how um i i'd heard that restaurants are reopening may 5th and bars are reopening may 19th i presume that means with social distancing in place sure so we've all been there's been a lot of anticipation about getting to this point of you know, when can people start going back to work? You know, just getting some certainty on what the future looks like. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think there are some conservatives in the legislature and other places that would like to see us be as aggressive as a place like Georgia. Um, you know, the challenge is, is that Texas is a pretty diverse state. Yes. And, you know, cities like Houston are still having significant challenges, while a lot of the rural areas <clears throat> have almost no cases. So whether he's going to make these announcements statewide and make them preempt local decisions, uh, I think is to really one of the big questions. I mean, you, you could have a situation where he makes a statewide announcement, but then where urban mayors and county judges in urban counties decide, no, we're going to stay closed. Well, that doesn't really reopen you know, the Texas economy in the places where the most people live, where the most economic activity would be. So look, I think he's um, <clears throat> walked the line pretty, pretty well. Texas is well, well, well below the national average. Um, we do have a, a large number of cases, but our death rate's very low. Um, and and then our, our hospital system has not been overrun anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there's real uh, interest in trying to try to get back to a new normal. And I think on Monday we'll start to see what that looks like. 
And of course, anytime you hear a, a rift like this or, uh, between among Texas Republicans, and you know, obviously, you, you know as well as anybody, there's been a good number of uh, Republican members of Congress who are not seeking reelection, probably within the Texas legislature as well. That it's prime and ready for Texas to finally go blue. Uh, is that uh, uh, is that much ado about nothing, Matt McCoviak, or is that uh, is that actually getting a little more momentum that there may be some uh, critical uh, seats uh, uh, lost to the Democrats? Well. I think that um, what's interesting is, is you know, Texas did, did, I think, go in a blue direction in 2018 uh, mm-hmm. in the midterm election. <clears throat> you know, that was really built on the suburbs, moving away from Republicans towards Democrats. But it was also that we had a very unique mix of factors in Texas with Beto O'Rourke, who was a phenomenon at that time, raised $80 million. Um, and we still had straight ticket voting in place. And Beto brought a lot of new voters who voted straight ticket Democrats. So that mm-hmm. that was really the... Achilles seal for Republicans. Beto's not on the ballot in 2020. Straight ticket voting is no longer in place in Texas in 2020. I think 2020 is going to look more like 2016 did in Texas. Although I will say that that COVID-19 has changed a lot about, I think, what we could predict about the fall election. Um, You know, this is now going to be a referendum, not just on Trump, but on on the federal government's response to COVID-19. And, you know, however, however that looks right now from wherever you are, it's going to look very different in the fall. I mean, there are some huge questions. Can we reopen? Can we, um, after having a very, very weak economic quarter in the second quarter of the year, can we have a strong and robust uh, economic growth in the third quarter? Uh, do people feel better about the economy by the time the election comes around? Um, all those kinds of questions. You know, do we have a second wave that may come in the fall that's been, you know, certainly uh, raised as a possibility? So lots of questions that are, that are out there. Um, but no, I don't think Texas is going to turn blue. It may it may become more, more competitive. Certainly, the demographics are changing here. The Democrats are, are pouring a lot of money in. We have a the Democrats are making an effort to try to take the Texas House, the State House back. There's a nine seat Republican majority. They're going to make an effort to try to do that. So Republicans are taking the threat seriously. But I, I still think you know Trump will win Texas by a good margin. Uh, I don't think Democrats will ultimately invest that much here. I think they're going to be much more focused on midwestern states, states like Arizona and Georgia perhaps as, as reach uh, states. But, but sure, the demographics are changing in Texas, and it is going to make Texas more competitive over the near and medium term. Now, on the, with the uh, issue with COVID-19, obviously, Tate, uh, sweeping across the, the country, we uh, something that we've uh, asked you about, and I know that you're on the front lines of down there in where you live in Austin, is the is the homeless problem and basically the number of homeless encampments. And I know you've been on the front lines again, Circulating petitions to try to stem the tide of that because of, because of the nuisance it's become. How is the COVID nineteen on top of the homeless issue in Austin? How 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 has that made things more more challenging? Because I know that you've talked a little bit about this on social media, so maybe expand on it a little bit to uh, what what new challenges you're facing with uh, that particular issue. Yeah, I appreciate you asking about that. Um, you know, you have this push in a lot of a lot of large cities to sort of let homeless individuals do almost anything they want. You're seeing that in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle and Honolulu. Um, and unfortunately now in Austin, you know, letting them camp, letting them set up tents, almost sort of letting them live, you know, in public in any way they want without even considering, you know, what the consequences of that are. And, and so I've been, I certainly have been fighting that at the Austin city level. and We're trying to put something on the ballot in November and collect signatures. And so the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic certainly has made it harder to collect signatures. But the more important issue is, you know, is, is the question of, of whether 
the homeless community is 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 risking public health even more during this pandemic. And I don't know what right. what's happening in other cities, but I can tell you in Austin, they they have uh, uh, exempted the homeless community from all the all the guidelines. Um, I understand shelter at home is not really available to the homeless community, but social distancing and wearing masks in public is, is and should be available, but it, they're exempt. So everyone else. Wow. Um, has to has to you know abide by those guidelines, and the homeless community in Austin does not. You know, it would seem to me, and I'm not certainly not trying to be um, you know nasty, but it would seem to me if anyone um, you know is at is at risk of community spread um, for, from COVID-19 would be the homeless community. Uh, they need to be practicing the guidelines perhaps more than than anyone else, but we all do. So uh, we did see a report this week in Austin that we have nine clusters of of COVID-19, one of which is in a homeless shelter, eight of which are in, are in senior centers. Um, so the city's honestly been hiding a lot of the details around the homeless community. I had an ER nurse tell me that on one day in late March, half of the new cases in their hospital and their ER were homeless individuals. So, you know, we'll see. We'll learn more about that over the next few weeks as, as more information comes out. But this is absolutely adding to the challenges we're facing. And I think that's, you know, you can scale that up in cities like Los Angeles and New York that have massive homeless populations and obviously are simply not going to be able to manage those populations in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, definitely keep, appreciate you keeping us uh, uh, updated on that. And again, if you're, uh, um, if you're able to, you know, follow uh, Matt on, uh, on his uh, Twitter feed as well at Matt McCoviak. I know that occasionally he has some links there and I know on his uh, uh, personality Facebook page as well at DZ keep keeping us abreast of the details. Uh, Matt, we are coming up on a, a break here. Another a few seconds. You able to uh, hold for another segment, talk maybe some presidential politics as we go along. Sure. Okay. Fantastic. Again, we are uh, joined by uh, Matt McCoviak, our political walk. We typically like to have him on uh, once every month or two. And uh, obviously the, it is an election year in the midst of this uh, global pandemic. So a lot of newsworthy items. So we'll definitely uh, get Matt's insights on the presidential politics. And again, check out his fantastic podcast, by the way. Mac on Politics is the podcast. It's M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics. Again, I typically listen on the Podcast Addict app on my phone, but it's also available, I think, via iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, you know, be sure and give it a five-star rating, too, because uh, these folks that put in this kind of work uh, need your support uh, to keep these going. So we come back in the next segment. Yeah, I want to get Matt's insight on presidential politics. And obviously the uh, U.S. Senate is uh, up for grabs as well. Democrats have a shot to take over the majority. Can they get over the top? Well, we'll get Matt's Opinion on opinions on that as well. And also take your calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag Narn Show, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then go to Babbel.com. Download the app and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. 
With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to Babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Are you tired of all the garbage that Hollywood puts out? Why not redeem the time you're spending at home with your family and watch something that affirms our American values? For a limited time, you can purchase No Safe Spaces, starring Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla. Go to nosafespaces.com to stream the number one political documentary of 2019. Free speech is under attack now more than ever. Politicians on the left are threatening to permanently shut down churches and synagogues. And we can't even open a debate about when we return to work. There is no more important time to watch No Safe Spaces. The movie that the hard left does not want you to see. Go to nosafespaces.com. Use the code SAVE25 to get 25% off your purchase. That's SAVE25. This offer is only available for a limited time. Send the message to Hollywood that you support movies that support your values. Go to nosafespaces.com today. It may not be stomach issues. For me, it's intense gas or pain or diarrhea, sometimes all at once, over and over. I spent years with the symptoms but could never figure it out. No matter what I did, they never went away. So I decided to break it down for my doctor and get really specific about my symptoms. We discovered that exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, may be the reason for my stomach issues. EPI is caused by my pancreas. It leads to diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. The symptoms just don't go away. But EPI can show up with even one symptom. The good news? EPI is manageable. But to get to the right diagnosis, you have to break it down for your doctor and get specific about the severity of your symptoms. Visit IdentifyEPI.com to learn more and use the symptom checker to help change the conversation with your doctor. Brought to you by AbbVie. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. And you can also weigh in via Narn Show, or by Twitter, just using Narn Show, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Continuing our discussion with our political walk, Matt Koviak, again, founder of Potomac Strategy Group and uh, proprietor of the fine podcast, Mac on Politics. Just do a Google search to find out where to listen, M-A-C-K, Mac on Politics. Podcast has had some fascinating guests on, including uh, in early April, uh, Arizona Senator Martha McSally, who's up for a tough reelection bid. We'll talk a little bit about Senate races as well in this particular segment. Uh, Matt, the presidential race, obviously, it's uh, it was pretty much a toss up going in now with the general election matchup pretty well set between incumbent President uh, Donald Trump and uh, challenger Joe Biden. But with his COVID-19 pandemic and the one thing that Trump really had going for him consistently was the good economic news. Obviously, that has fallen by the wayside because of this, and understandably so. Uh, you could probably list 20 states that each candidate for sure will have in the bag. And as always, it comes down to the 8 to 10 proverbial swing states. I guess I'll just approach it from this standpoint. And again, you may have to give the disclaimer. It all depends on how this COVID-19 pandemic is is handled but is there any particular state, say, that, that Trump won in 
2016, I guess, specifically Michigan or Pennsylvania, North Carolina, that he's especially vulnerable in at, at this particular point in time? <clears throat> well, I'd say that um, that Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania are the key to this 2020 election. And, you know, if you believe polling at this point, which I'm not sure I'm not sure I do, um, you know, polling this far out from an election would be registered voters. And so you're, you're, you're polling, you know, everyone. When in the end, at the end of the day, all, all that matters are likely voters. Uh, you wouldn't have a likely voter screen until after Labor Day. So I would, I would just, you know, mention that I think polling before Labor Day is pretty unreliable. Um, but if you believe polling in those three states, uh, he, you know, he's down in all three. And um, basically anybody that wins two of those three is likely to win. So, I mean, there are going to be some other states that will be in play. I mean, the Trump campaign, as you know, is trying to put Minnesota in their column. I think I saw a poll this week that had him down, down pretty big in, in Minnesota, but I think that was from Senator Tina Smith's campaign, so to put that in, in context. But sure. um, you know, there are going to be other states. Florida might be in play, um, Arizona, Georgia, if the Democrats can make them competitive. Uh, we'll see what happens in, in a place like Iowa that Trump won by a good margin. But yeah, I just think this election is going to be about the Midwest, and it's going to be about those three states. And if you think about it, you know, Trump was in, I think, pretty good shape to, to do well there before COVID-19 because the economy was coming back, manufacturing was coming back. Uh, there was real hope about the future. Uh, that now is really thrown up in the air. Um, and so I do think there's a chance, as bad as the second quarter economic growth is going to be, that the third quarter could be very, very, very good and we could be bouncing back. But that's where the question about, um, you know, the second wave comes in. If we, if we reopen the economy and, and we start to see economic growth in the third quarter and then it comes back in September, October, after the, the heat is over and the winter starts, uh, people are going to be pretty down again about the future, and that, that would certainly uh, harm, the, harm the political fuel fortunes of the incumbent. So uh, is there going to, and you know, I'll probably talk about this in the second hour, but I want to get your insights on this. Obviously, the allegations of uh, uh, Tara Reid, a junior staffer with then-Senator Joe Biden back in 1993, uh, those uh, some sexual assault allegations against Senator Biden, it's gotten maybe a obligatory play. And then, of course, over the weekend, there was some audio unearthed from uh, alleged, Tara Reid's mother calling into the Larry King Live back in 1993 and talking about her daughter being the victim of a very powerful senator, didn't name the senator, and that seems to validate uh, the allegations that Tara Reid is levying against Joe Biden. And, you know, we know the classic double standard that has taken place in the Me Too movement, but uh, this I, I can't believe this is going to ha- be virtually ignored, even though COVID-19 pandemic, huge news story, I get it, it's going to get wall-to-wall coverage as it should, but I don't know how Joe Biden can ignore this much more, uh, Matt McCoviak. How, how do you see the mainstream media justifying almost the total darkness on it until this past weekend? Yeah, it's pretty pretty extraordinary. Um, and it's, honestly, it's really pretty frustrating, too. Um, I just, you know, anyone that, that would, would argue that there's no bias in the national media just looks increasingly ridiculous. Uh, and this is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, in the Kavanaugh situation, they were running with uncorroborated, flimsy allegations against mm-hmm. him with massive, massive coverage. I mean, wall-to-wall coverage. Uh, in this case, you have uh, one person who worked for Senator Biden at the time uh, who made this allegation, um, and now you have at least uh, you know, pretty, pretty decent quality corroboration at the time from the mother. Uh, so I think this is becoming harder and harder for them to ignore. Uh, it is amazing that in the last, whatever it is, four to six weeks when this has come out, Biden has still not been asked about it once in an interview, not in one interview. I mean, it's extraordinary. I don't think he's going to be able to get through the rest of the year. Uh, it's going to come up. It's going to come up in the debates, or it's going to come up, come up when we get back to sort of campaign 2020. 
Uh, and we'll see what his answer is and how, how, he, how he describes it. Um, but I do think this is a game changer. Think about this when you, when you talk about media bias. So CNN has exclusive, right? They, they, they didn't know at the time they were talking to her mother. They have the video. It's in their archives. Not only are they not, you know, playing up their own exclusive, they're not even referencing it. It wasn't even referenced on their three Sunday shows this morning, State of the Union, Reliable Sources, or Fareed Zakaria's GPS show. Uh, so it's just, it's just a reminder that, that in this case, you know, a network that, that prizes exclusives is ignoring their own exclusive because it goes against their political, uh, uh, you know, goals. And, uh, and and along those lines, someone posted a screenshot of the uh, video archives on CNN's website. Uh, that episode uh, magically uh, no longer available in the archives. August tenth and August twelfth is, but August eleventh magically disappeared. Matt McGoviak. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's uh, pretty egregious to say the least. Uh, we do. I didn't mention your interview with uh, Arizona Senator Martha McSally in early April. Definitely check that out, folks, if you haven't had the opportunity to do so. Uh, her I, in my my opinion, you know, the Senate is up for up for grabs. I think Alabama will probably swing back to the Republican column. And if that's the case, you got 54 Republican seats, which means the Democrats, if Biden is elected, would only have to flip four because then a VP would break all ties in a 50-50. But if Trump's reelected, then they'd have to flip five. I think that's that's going to be a tall order. But nevertheless, there are some vulnerable senators out there, Cory Gardner in Colorado, uh, Martha McSally in Arizona, uh, Tom Tillis in North Carolina come to mind. Even Susan Collins, maybe in, in Maine. Now, what's your assessment of the balance of power in the in the Senate, uh, Mabakoviak? Yeah, no, you, you've laid it out well. Um, I do think that yes, it will be a four seat, uh, you know, takeover that would be needed for Democrats to get to a fifty fifty tie. Uh, the one seat to watch as another Republican pickup is Michigan, where John James uh, has been leading the Democrat incumbent Gary Peters the last two quarters. Oh. He's running a really, really good campaign this time. He, he um, came up short against Debbie Stabenow two years ago, but he wasn't running a professional campaign and didn't get a lot of help. But he is doing that now, and he is getting a lot of help. Uh, so we'll see whether that gets – whether you know what ends up happening there. Uh, but you're, basically the Democrats have uh, five seats that they could potentially win back. Uh, they're the ones you mentioned and then also Montana. Really? And so, yeah, with, with Steve Bullock, uh, the Democratic governor now running for U.S. Senate, he could – potentially defeat Steve Daines. Okay. I don't think he, I don't think he will in a presidential year. I think Trump will win Montana by ten or fifteen points and he'll carry Daines to victory. But but with the four you mentioned, um, there is a pathway there. It's a narrow pathway. They have to basically run run the table and that's just to get to fifty fifty. Um, but you know, we'll see how all that all that plays out. I mean I, I generally think North Carolina is going to remain solidly Republican. Uh, Tillis has been underperforming his fundraising's been fairly weak. Um, they do, I believe, have a Democratic primary on, the, on their side, so it's not clear who he's running against yet. Um, and then we'll see how some of these other states go. I don't think Susan Collins is going to lose in Maine. I, I know she got outraised, like seven million to two million in the last quarter, but she has she has always been very popular up there. She has an independent streak. She has her own identity. No one would confuse her for being a Trump Republican, uh, which you know cuts both ways. But in a state like Maine, that's probably a good thing for her politically. Um, you know, Arizona's tough. Uh, I, I like McSally. She has an incredibly impressive uh, background and biography. Uh, first uh, female combat, combat pilot in the Air Force. Uh, just a really, really impressive person. Uh, that's a tough state. It's becoming a tougher state. And, of course, she was appointed to the Senate, which always raises questions among you know, constituents. So, yeah, the battle for the Senate is going to be really, really, really close. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to watch as a subplot throughout the rest of this year. 
Before we let you go, Matt, uh, we do want to get to our uh, caller. Uh, Mark from St. Louis Park is on hold. Hey, Mark, you're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Thanks, Brad, and a great guest you have on. I get what the, uh, Mr. Kovac said about Donald Trump, how, how he's perceived of handling the, the, the COVID virus. But also, this is a guy who engineered the greatest economy in U.S. history. Uh, why don't the Republicans emphasize that, that he's the person that to get us out of it as far as economics? And I'll hang up and listen to, to uh, your guest. Yeah, well, I know Trump himself uh, has has touted that that he's done it once before and he'll do it again. And you know, he, he he's never lacked for for confidence or ego, that's for sure, Matt Mikoviak. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's just all dependent upon when uh, basically the country can be reopened. Yeah, no, I mean, the caller raises a good a good point, um, and you're starting to see the Trump campaign make that point that you know, as recently as the last couple of days, that, you know, if, if he did it once, he can, he, he can do it again, and that he is the person to do it. Um, there's no question that the economy was absolutely on fire um, for the first, you know, two and a half, three years of his presidency. And he deserves a lot of credit for that, bringing manufacturing back, uh, rebalancing you know, trade, trade with China, uh, you know, reducing regulation, the energy boom that we were seeing, you know, being a net, net exporter of, of oil and gas, uh, all those things were very positive, seeing wages rise for the first time in a generation. I think the challenge is going to be, uh, while the arrow can come back uh, up, it's going to take a long time for people to, to be made whole uh, by sure. what's happened, right? You've got 23, I think, 23 million people out of work. You know, some percentage of them are going to be out of work in November still. Maybe half, maybe a quarter are still going to be uh, unemployed. You're just not going to be able to get these businesses to reopen or to get recreated or for these people to get rehired as quickly as they were laid off. Uh, and, you know, one $1,200 stimulus is not going to help someone who's been laid off, you know, for four or six or eight months. Um, so I think the, uh, the economic argument is there. And, and again, the hope is that, that we turn things around the third quarter. We're reopening things. People are feeling more confident. Uh, hiring is coming back. Economic growth in the third quarter, you know, is, is 10 or 12 or 14 percent. And that people start to feel good again uh, and that, that you start to, you know, make up for, uh, all the damage that was done, but we're not going to be, it's not going to be fixed by November, but the caller is correct. I mean, right. I think, you know, Trump has a much better case to make in terms of rebuilding the economy than Biden would. Biden's argument is going to be a Green New Deal type of uh, environmental plan. It's going to be a bigger health care plan, Obamacare Plus, massive tax increases, bigger government. Uh, those things are not going to help the economy grow. I mean, the Trump approach, I think, is, is proven at this point. He did nothing to uh, to cause the situation that we're in in terms of the economic collapse we've had. But he's going to have to make the case he can he can get us out of it and that he's better than Biden. And I think he's well equipped to do that. Sure, and 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 uh, to follow up on that too, Biden's anti-fracking stance is not going to uh, endear him in this in a key swing state like Pennsylvania. So that uh, no I'm not, not sure where he's going with that. Uh, we only have a couple minutes left with our political wonk, Matt McCoviak. Uh Dan from Chocobee. Dan, we all have, have about thirty seconds. If you can ask your question quick, then we have to move on to a break. Uh, go ahead. You're on the Northern Alliance Radio Thanks. Network. I believe, and maybe it's wishful thinking, that Jason Lewis will be Smith, so that would be one more senator in the right column. And uh, what's your thoughts on that? And uh, go Jason Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate was, it. Yeah, I think that that one is sort of on the, 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 the sort of the outer periphery of the pathway the Republicans see to holding the majority. Uh, but if you start to see a state like Minnesota you know, get talked about more, if you start to see Jason get more help, uh, improve with fundraising, getting surrogates into the state. Look, if, if Trump were to make Minnesota really competitive in the presidential election, which I know they're definitely trying to do and they believe they can, that is going to absolutely give um, give the Republican challenger a chance. So Tina Smith is not well known. 
uh, hasn't been there that long, wouldn't have a significant you know, statewide organization or significant fundraising at this point, and probably isn't even getting that much help because she's not really in the, in the plans the Democrats have to take the Senate majority back. So that could be a right. surprise race. It's certainly one to watch, no question. Matt, appreciate your time as always. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, have a great rest of your uh, weekend. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it. Take care. See ya. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with one final segment this hour. Go nowhere. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM twelve eighty, the Patriot, with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. What can we learn from previous stock market corrections? How could you avoid big financial mistakes? And where are the opportunities today? Get the answers in a free report. What to do in a down market. It's from Joe Lucy of Secured Retirement Financial in the Twin Cities. Joe's a certified financial planner, and he's been featured in the Wall Street Journal. This shocking eight-page report reveals actionable steps that could protect your hard-earned savings and the potential overlooked opportunities that nobody sees in a panic. This report is jam-packed with information, and it won't cost you a dime. Download your free report at downmarketrescue.com. Downmarketrescue.com. You can't control what happens on Wall Street, but you can control how you respond to it. Download your free report at downmarketrescue.com. That's downmarketrescue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. Pick it up or take it out, rackshacktogo.com or rackshackdelivery.com. It's so easy. Hey, you've been working hard. Half the staff is gone and your crew needs a lift. Go to rackshacktogo.com for pickup or rackshackdelivery.com and we'll bring it out to you. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack barbecue. Where do you go for the latest news and insight into what's happening in Minnesota policy and politics? Americans for Prosperity Radio. Join host Jason Flores for conversation about the issues that matter most and to get the knowledge you need to make a difference. From City Hall to the State Capitol to the Halls of Congress, we're pulling back the curtain and giving you an inside perspective on the economy, health care, education, and more. Americans for Prosperity, Saturdays at 4 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot, and iHeartRadio. They go together like freedom and the Second Amendment. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. Welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag NarnShow. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show. 
for any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we got about five minutes left this segment. We do want to weigh in on the uh, state of Georgia looking to reopen. This was a source of a lot of controversy from this past week, and I know Matt alluded to it. Matt McCoviak alluded to it a little bit in our uh, in our discussion that Georgia is one of the states that is looking to open uh, some businesses, provided that the uh, uh, they. Patrons of these businesses can exercise the proper social distancing as the as the employees as well. And Eric Erickson, who is a conservative radio host right down in Georgia, he's on the ground. He has his finger on the pulse and knows all what's going on about this. And there was a lot of vitriol toward Governor uh, Brian Kemp of Georgia regarding wanting to open open up the economy. He was talking about opening up some businesses like uh, bowling alleys. Uh, salons and tattoo parlors and immediately people just pitched to fits like my god how can you possibly practice social distancing in establishments like that and what does governor kemp have no shame he wants to expose these people to this people could be dying on his watch and he's forcing these people to go back to work well, first of all let's let's get out a couple clarifying statements here nobody is forcing anybody to go back to work these businesses, which again include barbershops, restaurants, are mostly staying closed or keeping carryout options only. So let's start with that. Secondly, these businesses like bowling alleys and these uh, tattoo parlors, again, on the surface, I don't really understand it, but they have to meet certain protocols in order to open. And here's another key aspect of this. The governor has been listening to the same experts who told him to issue a shelter in place as the ones who advise him, yes, it would be okay to open, provided this criteria is met. And again, this is from Eric Erickson at uh, theresurgent.com. RT, which is retransmission, does not get talked about a lot. It is the measure of a virus's ability to reproduce. If RT is above one, the virus will spread. If it is below one, the virus will stop spreading. Healthcare experts have been telling us since March that people needed to shelter in place to get RT below one. Once it was below one, we could start slowly, emphasis on slowly, reopening. In Georgia, that the state is below one. Not only that, but daily new cases continue to fall. So the trend is remarkably good. The virus is definitely declining, but highlighting that data requires me to highlight something else. I sent out numbers on Monday and and they were different. The reason for the difference is simple. As test results come in, they are added into the numbers based on the day the test was administered, not the day the test was received. So when I sent out the data on Monday, the data for April 14th had 779 cases and April 15, 590 cases. Adding in the tests as they come in has led to a problem. The media reports show a spike in Georgia of about 2,000 cases over that prior weekend. It became a pretty big story, and it helped drive outrage over Governor Kemp's decision to open the state on Monday. The spike came because test results continued to flow in from weeks ago. A test given on April 1st was backlogged, and a test given on April 19th was not. They both came in on April 20th, which drove the daily total count up. So you could see how there was a, certainly a measure of confusion uh, for those who looked at the Georgia situation. 
But Eric Erickson also points out, and, and he may be right on this, because we are in such a polarizing political society that we always uh, assign motives to individuals based on who they are, okay? I mean, Governor Kemp could be making the exact same decisions based on the exact same data as Governor Cuomo, but who would be treated more uh, viciously in the media, right? And one of it is that Stacey Abrams, who was Governor Kemp's opponent in the gubernatorial race in Georgia in 2018, she was this uh, media darling. She was an African-American woman. And that was a big coup for a lot of people in Georgia. And as Eric Erickson points out, a lot of these moderates who maybe didn't vote for Barack Obama found someone palatable whom they could vote for, and it was just one big exercise in virtue signaling. Say, ah, see, you know, we're down here in the South, but we could vote for an African-American female here in the South. There's nothing but virtue signaling. Never mind her policy stances. It's just all about identity politics with some of those people. So the fact that Brian Kemp, it was Brian Kemp, the media still has some disdain for him. And here's one other thing. It, uh, Governor Kemp, it, you remember it was a few weeks ago where he was at, gave some sort of press conference. He says, you know, he says, uh, what we just found out recently, that you may not be exhibiting any symptoms of this coronavirus, but you could have it, and it could be transmitted to others. We literally just found this out. He said that a few weeks ago, when that was one of the more well-known aspects of this virus. So you can understand why people aren't necessarily going to take at face value what he has to say, okay, because he's doesn't have a lot of credibility on this when he kind of went up half cocked like that saying, well, you know, we, we, you know, people could be asymptomatic, but they could still spread it. Boy, that's something we just learned. No, that was one of the first things that was talked about when this was possibility coming to this country. So at the end of the day, uh, Brian Kemp is taking the guidance of his medical experts. He took their guidance in shutting down the state and now he's taking their guidance and slowly reopening it. So Definitely keep an eye on Georgia, folks. This is going to be one that's going to be used as a cudgel or as a shining example of what to do or what not to do. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you'll receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free 
free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-482-8399. 800-482-8399. That's 800-482-8399. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. So I have to be honest and let you know that sometimes I really do get nervous about our current situation. I know that I'm being taken care of, but sometimes I don't act like I know I'm being taken care of. I'm really not concerned about my health. I want to follow the protocol that is put before us. I want to honor those in authority over me. At the same time, I want to be a responsible and good steward of the resources that I've been given. Day-to-day activities might look a little bit different. We should continue steadfastly on the path that the Lord has given us. We're not called to worry. We're called to run a race of endurance. Remember, the world is watching. How we react to our situation could impact how people see our faith. So if you're interested in having a conversation about your roof or gutters or anything else, we encourage you to give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. That's thekingdombuilders.com. AM 